Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's Sunday, 20 January. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I got a, just a few announcements here. First is uh, I got the Furches that are visiting once again. They came from uh, Minnesota where it's, you said it's 30 below something? Yeah. 35, uh, yeah, 35 below. 35 below. And uh, they were here last year. They're here again this year. Obviously, there's a good reason. But to <laughs> make them feel comfortable, I have a, a bandana with snowflakes on it. So and that was sent to me from my friend Arlene, who's up in Chattanooga. She's always sending me stuff little bandanas and stuff, and uh, I'm sure she's probably pretty cold right now, too. I, I think that came lower, didn't it? It did. Okay, so she's probably getting iced on right now as well. And then we have somebody that's never been to the church before as well, who is Wes Miller from Pennsylvania. And it's kind of a funny story. For those people that watch the Sergio and Rhoda videos that I'm always linking at the end of the updates. Now, they're taking a break right now. They'll have another new one out very soon. But this guy actually attended Sergio and Rhoda's wedding long before I ever met them. He just happened to be over there in Israel, and Rhoda at the time was working at uh, Nazareth Village, and uh, he knew them somehow, went to their uh, wedding, and then after that, he was watching some videos on YouTube and saw one of their videos and didn't realize it was them. But then somehow he figured that out. And at the same time, he's somebody saying, you should watch the superior word. And I know I've got that a little bit out of, out of order, but somehow it all fit together where here he is coming to superior word. And so we all sat down and talked to Sergio and Rhoda in Israel while they were driving to look at a car today. Not there, They weren't driving their car to look at. They were driving... A car to go look at a car. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, so welcome to you. It's good to have you here. And um, let's see, or anything else? Oh, one more thing. I mentioned this during our uh, request for prayers a a few minutes ago, but uh, the guy that uh, I respect him highly, he's one of the people that I would recommend if you want to watch a Prophecy Update. He's one of the few I would recommend is John Holler. And he's in our hearts and prayers today because he uh, had uh, a surgery yesterday for um, pancreatitis and gallstones and you know different things going on in there. I don't know how the the body works and uh, but anyway, he did have surgery. He is okay. He's uh, probably sitting up right now watching the prophecy update. So I I don't know if he is or not, but he uh, he is better. And but we want to continue to keep him in prayer so that he doesn't get any infection or anything like that. He's just a very nice gentleman, and uh, uh, so our heart goes out to him while he's recuperating and. There you go. So our first category, as always, is Israel. And let's see. Oh, you know what? One more thing. Arlene, who sent me this bandana, her birthday was yesterday. So I want to wish her a happy birthday as well. Just came to mind. It's my daughter's birthday, so I know it's her birthday. So, and it was also, is Elaine here? Elaine's not here. It was Elaine's birthday, too. So, yeah. What's that? And Robin's, that's right, Robin's star. So we got lots of January 19th birthday, but Arlene that sent me this, thank you for that, and happy birthday, belated. I did wish her it yesterday as well. But uh, as I said, our first category is Israel. And from Zero Hedge, Israel's top commander finally spills secrets of invisible war in Syria. 
For years, Israel denied allegations that it had a role in funding and weaponizing the anti-Assad insurgency in Syria. And more often, military officials responded with no comment, even when confronted with overwhelming evidence of Israeli weapons documented in al-Qaeda-linked insurgents' hands. But this all changed in an interview with outgoing Israeli Army Commander Gadi Eisenkot, who has finally confirmed the IDF supplied weapons to rebels across the border for self-defense. And further, perhaps more stunningly, he admitted to long-waging an invisible war in Syria that involved thousands of attacks. The interview constitutes the first time that any current top Israeli military or government official is fully acknowledged sending anything beyond humanitarian supplies, such as medical aid to Syrian militants seeking to topple the Assad government. And yet, it still appears the country's military chief is slow playing the confirmation, only acknowledging the IDF provided light weapons, even after years of reporting has definitively uncovered an expansive Israeli program to arm dozens of insurgent groups and pay their salaries, including known affiliates of al-Qaeda in Syria. Eisenkot positively boasted in the interview that we operated in an area controlled by the Russians, sometimes attacking targets a kilometer or two from Russian positions in order to strike at Iranian assets in Syria. So he's letting them know that this has been going on. The rare confession of sorts comes from a moment the White House says it's moving forward on President Trump's previously announced U.S. troop pullout from Syria, something which has rattled Israel's leadership, which has argued that Iran will become entrenched near Israel's border as a result. Eisenkot's words appear a warning to Iran that Tel Aviv aims to maintain operational capability inside Syria. So that's really interesting. It shows us that we are actually closer along the uh, timeline than we may have thought. Now, this has been known, but it hasn't been acknowledged. And now they're acknowledging it, which means that they are obviously getting into even more things because they don't give out anything except stuff that can be released. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, next one is from Behold Israel. Really good news. Uh, This started a little over a week or so ago. I was talking to Rhoda one day, and she said it is absolutely pouring out here. So record amount of rainfall ends ongoing drought. The Sea of Galilee rose over 19.5 centimeters in less than 48 hours as Israel leaves an ongoing drought. Heavy rains resulted in record amounts of precipitation in Israel's northern region, ending a drought that began in 2013. That's a long time to not have a lot of water. The rainfall has contributed to increases in Israel's water reserves, streams, rivers, and the Sea of Galilee. December's precipitation also broke a 30-year record with high rain levels throughout Israel. The heavy rains in the north and center of Israel are currently at 60 to 80 percent of its annual precipitation. So thank the Lord for that. Keep on blessing Israel. I'm very happy to hear that. And then we have from the Jerusalem Post, former cabinet minister Gonen Segev. Anybody recognize a name in here? Segev, convicted of spying for Iran. Now, we think of spies as really the worst of the worst, and we have one name that has stood out in American history for over 200 years now. It's Benedict Arnold. You would never think that an Israeli would be a traitor to his own nation, but he was. He was convicted by the Jerusalem District Court of spying for Iran in a plea bargain. The former energy and infrastructure minister, who also spent time in jail for drug smuggling, forgery, and fraud, yeah, he's a real bad dude, was extradited from Equatorial Guinea 
and arrested on suspicion of assisting the enemy in a time of war. Now, if that was any other country in the Mideast, he would have been executed. That would have been the end of him. But spying against the state of Israel and providing intelligence to the enemy. I think he got an 11-year sentence. You know, I, I believe that there's something a little quicker to, you know what I'm thinking of. Just if, if I had it my way, that would be what would happen to that guy. But, you know, I call it the five-cent solution. Anyway, from the Times of Israel, IDF shooters get smart gun sight to increase accuracy. Now, this is something that I need. Because I can't shoot. I, I could aim at that wall and head over there somewhere. I'm the worst shot in the world. But uh, anyway, if uh, somebody ever comes in here and wants to shoot up this church, the first thing I will do is say, get down. Because I don't want to hit anybody. Okay. All right. After what you no. just said, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody just move to that side of the church quickly. Um, thankfully, uh, well, I won't get into it on, on the public airwaves, but... Uh, From the Times of Israel, IDF shooters get smart gun sight to increase accuracy. The new product named Dagger was developed to help IDF troops improve their markmanship and gives them the ability to hit moving targets precisely. It allows soldiers to hit a target on the first shot, regardless of their skill as a marksman, and reduces the chances of innocent civilians being hit. One of the most advanced gun sites in the world, the Dagger has an electro-optic system and a processor that calculates the distance of a target and its movement, the movement of the shooter and the ballistics of the ammo and the rifle used. It does all of that in its own calculation. It then processes all the info in order to select the optimum moment to shoot. The sites, which cost tens of millions of shekels, follow the target and with the aid of an algorithm and an advanced image processing system, know the right moment to pull the trigger. They were produced by the IDF's admin Mafat and the smart shooter company of Kibbutz Yagur. So they can now just say, put the gun here. They know he's moving and just say, shoot now, bang, and it'll marvelous stuff. You know, okay, USA Today. Just the title, Roseanne Barr tells the Jerusalem Post she blames anti-Semitism on ABC firing her. Well, I don't think that has anything to do with it, but I thought I'd throw that in. So there you go. And from uh, Breaking Israel News, which I normally don't cite. Sometimes they will have something and I'll check it out and I'll cite it. But they're one of the few sites that, or one of the many sites that I very rarely will cite. Um, From Breaking Israel News, expert, Gold Dome of the Rock, not where Jewish temple stood, okay? Um, What I'm going to tell you, that's just the title there so you can understand this. They have long known that the temple belongs on the Temple Mount, okay? There was a guy named Robert Cornuk who's come out with a book, and he says, well, it's over actually in the city of David, and he wrote this book. He's completely disputed. There's no doubt that he's wrong. People write books all the time, and they get money for them, and they look like specialists in what they're talking about. He has no idea what he's talking about. The evidences of history alone are so overwhelming. It is known that it is on the Temple Mount, okay? Josephus writes about it. He describes the Temple Mount. We know 100% that was on the Temple Mount, but there's always been this speculation that it is where the Dome of the Rock is. This guy, along with several other specialists that I have read over the years, is correct. It wasn't there. It is actually in the middle of the Temple Mount. That's where this temple is. And we know that a temple is going to be rebuilt. 
There's no doubt about it. The Bible says it's going to happen in Revelation chapter 11. It speaks of it. Daniel 9 gives the prophetic timeline for Israel's history, and that's one of the things that's included in there, speaking about this particular issue. And then Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, he speaks about the Antichrist, you know, being in the temple of God and calling himself God and all of these things. So we know that a temple is coming, but it is not likely at all that they would go in there and plow over the Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. That's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. You know, the rapture movie, what was it? Um, uh, the movie that everybody watched. Uh, Left Behind, thank you. They said that somebody blew up the Dome of the Rock and that allowed the Jews to build their temple there. That ain't going to happen, okay? If that got blown up, the Muslims would demand another one be built not going to happen. There is a space in between those. And it says in Revelation 11 that the outer court is left to the Gentiles, meaning that those things aren't going to be disturbed. So we are going to have it. If you want to read the article, that's the only reason why I included that was um, uh, because I wanted you to know about uh, that article if you want to read it. It's one of the things. What's that? Don't you think because they named it the the Temple Mount, yeah, that would be, and you know, for eons, I mean, there's there's a million reasons for it. The the uh, uh, Arabs, for years, and this goes back into antiquity, always called it the Temple Mount in Arabic, okay? That guy wrote his book, he gets his 10 cents, and he gets his fame for five minutes, but he is not right. Any reasonable scholar will tell you that this is incorrect, okay? And there are other people that write books about, you know, Mount Sinai is actually over here, the Red Sea crossing was actually over here. Listen, we have scholars that go back right to the beginning that will refute those type of things. I understand people watch those and they get excited about them, but there's nothing new under the sun. The people that have done the hard work in the past they know where these things are. And if you follow, especially like with the Exodus, if you follow the Bible, these new theories that have come out do not work. They do not. The number of days they traveled, et cetera, is very clear in the Bible. They know where these things were. Anyway, uh, I don't want to argue about it, though. So please don't send me stuff and say, I, I, I've read the books. I've seen the, uh, the videos. I know about these things. And I know that they're wrong. So just disagree with me and let it go. From Christian News Today, once again, I want to remind people that everything that we do is on podcast. If you would like to listen to a prophecy update and you're driving, you can do that. If you want to listen to a sermon and you're uh, walking down the beach, well, why would you do that? You have the beach and you can listen to this, you know, the uh, sea rolling in or whatever. But if you want to listen to it, everything is on podcast. It's all free. You, it, it's there for you. You can access it from either iTunes or from the Superior Word website. And I just want to remind you uh, that that's available. Everything's on video as well. So um, it, the only reason why I'm saying that is because there's a guy that does these and he and a couple other people have done the podcast work and they did a lot of work on that. And so I just want it to be used because they've done all of this work and made it available to people at absolutely no cost. They wouldn't, you know, it, it was just very nice that they did these things. So there you go with that. Uh, from Reformation Charlotte. The PCA, not the PCUSA, which is, you know, the Presbyterian Church USA has been apostate for years. The Presbyterian Church of America, it's kind of held the line for a while, PCA. But church, not the entire PCA, but a PCA church, invites lesbian to teach on celebrating lives of transgenders. The Presbyterian Church in America, PCA, has been in hot water ever since one of their churches hosted the Revoice Conference, which celebrated homosexual relationships and sought to include those who identify as gay or lesbian Christians in the Christian church. More recently, however, a PCA, yes, you read that right, PCA, 
Church in St. Louis has invited a transgender rights activist in a lesbian relationship to teach the members of the church and anyone else who wants to join how to celebrate the lives of transgender people by reclaiming Martin Luther King's legacy. Pastored by, which, insane. These people are literally insane. Pastored by Mike Higgins. Higgins is also an adjunct professor of applied theology and dean of students at Covenant Theological Seminary and serves on the board for Faith for Justice, who is sponsoring the conference. So these people worm their ways into these positions, and then they start espousing their doctrine. Young skulls full of mush, as Rush Limbaugh would say. Listen to this, and it, it just reads on itself. Eventually, there will be nothing left of the PCA. It'll happen very quickly. It's like the Methodist denomination, the Episcopal denomination. A little yeast gets in there, and as Paul says, it leavens the entire loaf. That's just what happens. So, very sad to read that. From ABC Action News, Florida lawmaker. Florida lawmaker files a bill to make a Bible study a public school elective. Now, I'm going to tell you something before I go on with this. This will pass. There's no doubt about it because we have a very conservative uh, legislature in Florida and we have a Republican governor. But I would like to acknowledge the fact that this is, believe it or not, a Democrat. So somebody needs to talk to her about Jesus. I'm glad that she goes to church. I'm glad that she thinks she's a Christian. But if she is a Democrat by name, then she's voting for abortion and all of the appalling things that go out. But I thought I'd at least give credit where credit is due and include this. Now, this will pass and then it will be challenged by the ACLU and the FFRF and everybody else in the universe, and it may not actually happen, but interesting. Florida lawmaker wants students to study the Bible in public schools, which I wholeheartedly agree with. State Representative Kimberly Daniels, a Democrat, she's from Jacksonville, filed HB 195 earlier this week. The bill, study of the Bible and religion, would require school districts to offer religion classes to high school students as an elective. If this passes and if it actually goes into service, I would be willing to volunteer. They wouldn't even have to pay me to do this. I would go over to whatever the school is and I would be one of the people. I would gladly do that. It would mean less time for preparing for prophecy updates. It doesn't bother me a bit. I'd rather teach those children the Bible from a biblical perspective than anything else. So you remind me of this. If this passes, I want you to watch out for this and let me know, and I will volunteer to do that. All right? The uh, bill would allow, one, an objective study of religion, two, an objective study of the Bible, including but not limited to a course on the Hebrew scriptures and Old Testament of the Bible. Well, we've been doing that for years. I got plenty of information I can give them. That's simple. Three, a course on the New Testament of the Bible. Well, we've got a commentary written from this church on almost the entire New Testament. All right? Four, a course on the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament of the Bible, and the New Testament of the Bible. According to the bill, the courses would be offered to students in grades 9 through 12. They're starting to get interesting at that point. I could do that, okay? Any younger and I couldn't do it. But I could, could possibly do that at this point. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've said it before. My son is 30 now, and he's starting to get interesting. But I could maybe get myself to deal with these people. Anyway, so, um, ma'am, can I help you? That's my mom walking in. What is it, 20 minutes late? That's okay. We love you anyway. All right, so uh, let's see here. Um, according to the bill, the courses would be offered to students in grades 9 through 12, and it would also include a brief meditation period during classes. Okay, take it easy, folks. Whatever that means, 
the Bible says to meditate on God's word. And if I was to give that class, I would say, let's meditate on God's word. I would just simply read the Bible so you're not violating any principle, any goofy precept. And we would say, we're going to meditate on God's word. It says it several times in scripture. Let it go. Okay. If passed, it would go into effect on July 1st. I am so happy about that. And once again, if this passes, I will write her a personal letter. And I will thank her for having put this through. I may do it anyway. I may just sit down this week if I have time and write her a letter. But I would implore her to come to know Jesus fully by getting away from the Democrat Party of the United States and the murdering of the unborn, above all else. But Times of Israel, Christian Zionist lobby makes its case to Washington's liberal Jews. Now, this sounds great. All right. They're talking Christians to liberal Jews. I am so opposed to what's happening here, and I'm going to tell you why when I get into it. I've talked about this in the past, and some people will take offense at it because it's a big wig out in Texas that runs this. I don't care. He's not a good theologian, and he certainly does not have the best of the Jews in mind. All right? He supports Israel greatly. He is an enemy of the Jews, and I'm going to explain that statement when I get done with this. Christians United for Israel is no stranger in this city. It has become a key player in recent years in Congress's passing of pro-Israel legislation, often the kind favored by the more hawkish elements of the pro-Israel community. It's that reputation that this week brought a small delegation to the Capitol, but not to advance any new bill. Instead, two top officials were meeting with officials of one of the country's most liberal Jewish communities in order to assure them that whatever else they've heard, CUFI, and just so you all know, this is run by John Hagee, okay, he's out in Texas, CUFI is on their side. CUFI instructs its new chapters to make local federations their first stop, coordinate pro-Israel strategy, which I fully agree with, and reassure local Jewish communities about their intentions. Jewish groups are historically leery of evangelical support for Israel, and CUFI insists that its love for Israel is not about converting Jews or bringing about the end times. Well, that second one, who cares about bringing in the end times? We're already there. It's not about converting Jews. We'll focus on that, and I'll go on in a second. A theology of small millennialist groups that mainstream evangelicals have long disavowed. In other words, if you believe in a rapture of the church, you're an idiot, okay? But we'll go on. uh, CUFI in its 13 years of existence appears to have largely succeeded in making the case that it rejects theologies that Jews in the past have found toxic. In other words, speaking to Jews about Jesus Christ. Okay. Thankfully, for the most part, we've moved past that. Now, he is a dual covenantalist. He believes that Jews are saved through the law of Moses, okay, which is very explicitly clear in the New Testament that that is not true, okay? It's even clear from the Old Testament, if you go through the Hebrew, the book of Hebrews with us in this study, you'll see that even the Old Testament told them, you're not saved through this. We're waiting on a Messiah who would take care of this issue, okay? It's very clear. But secondly, he's a dual covenantalist, and he will have Jews in his church, and he will not evangelize them. Okay, this is the same doctrine, basically, as the Roman Catholic Church. They say that Jews are saved through the covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob, and through Moses, observing the law. Okay, that is heretical. This is a guy that once said, and you can go online, you can listen to him say it. You don't have to believe me. He said that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah, okay, which is absolutely insane. Okay, Messiah and the word Christ mean the same thing. They mean the anointed one. He calls himself Jesus Christ in his high priestly prayer. He's called Christ at least a billion times in the New Testament. But what he did is he set up a false premise. He said the term Messiah 
means the reigning king, and Jesus never claimed to be the reigning king. Well, it doesn't mean that. It means the anointed one, and it involves many, many things. But I said that he is a supporter and friend of Israel, but he is an enemy of the Jews. And I'm going to read you a verse. It's the opposite of what the verse means, okay? But I'm going to explain it after I read it to you. I'm going to take you to 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. And I'm going to read you what Paul said. And I'm going to give you my logic as to why this verse can be used in this way. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 16, he says, uh, I'll go back to 15. Who killed? I'll go back to 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, meaning the Jews, just that, I'm sorry, your own countrymen, the uh, Greeks, just as they did from the Judeans who killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Now here's verse 16. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, this is the Jews saying, don't speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Well, if you read Paul's other letters, he says that God is bound all under disobedience so that God can have mercy on us all. Okay. In other words, there was a time when the Jews came against speaking to Gentiles. All right. And Paul was persecuted for it and they didn't want that. And they Judaized the people. They said, you have to observe the law of Moses and all this. Well, now the time for Israel to be regathered as a nation has come. And now that the time for them to call on their Messiah has come, we have people that are saying, you don't need to evangelize these Jews, which is exactly what it, he is saying about the Jews there is what the Gentiles are now saying, don't convert the Jews. And when that happens, let me read you it again and just think of the opposite, because this is what is happening here. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. In essence, they are forbidding people to speak to, it says right there, is not about converting Jews or bringing about the end times. It rejects theologies that Jews of the past have found toxic, meaning speaking about Jesus. So do not support this organization. And unfortunately, people like Nikki Haley are in line with him because she doesn't understand the theology that this man is promoting. Stay away from this. It is very bad. I will tell you something. I'm not going to give the person's name because I'm not going to embarrass him or her right now. But I was at mission work yesterday with somebody. And one of the people that I was out there with said, I met a Jew and I was speaking to them. I think it was at a gas station. Okay. And this individual said, the first thing she said after hearing, uh, he or she said that after hearing that uh, it, this person was a Jew was, are you a Messianic Jew? And why did this person do that? It was to get a foot in the door. Because if you just say, well, I'm a Christian, that puts up a wall. Everybody knows that. But if you say, I'm a Messianic Jew, or are you a Messianic Jew? I'm sorry. Then it puts in a foot in the door because they don't, most of them don't even know what a Messianic Jew is. And you say, well, they're believers in Jesus. And here is what they believe. And here's why they believe. And the foot is now in the door and they can now have a conversation on a reasonable level because you're equating one with one Jew with Jew. And now you've got a Jew. And so what I do further, I say, when I speak to a Jew about Jesus, I always say, do you know, we have Jews that attend the superior word. We've got one that does all of the work for us, online streaming, everything. He's there with us every Sunday and every Thursday. And he attends our church. And we have another Jew that attends from time to time. I send him the sermons every Friday. He's come up here, but his wife is disabled. He can't attend in residence. But by knowing that there are Jews that have our theology, it is a foot in the door. 
And you got to be proud for people that are willing to speak to Jews because it's not easy to do sometimes. They'll shun you, but you've got to be very careful to not allow this type of theology to creep in your life and to support somebody just because he stands with Israel. Lots of people stand with Israel, and they do not have the Jews' best intent in line. I know I've beaten this to death, but please be careful what you believe, who you believe, and what know what people's theology is, because their theology is abominable. All right, let's go on. From the Christian headlines, China bans one of the Ten Commandments as part of national policy. Chinese officials entered a church in recent weeks and ordered the removal of one of the Ten Commandments, the first one. Unlike previous cases of persecution, this one took place in a government-approved three-self church and not in an illegal unregistered congregation. About 30 government officials from the patrol inspection team, you know, when I lived in Malaysia, it's a Muslim country, and they had the kalwat. They would come around and they would patrol everything. I mean, they would walk around and make sure that Muslims weren't eating pork, and they'd make sure that they were not eating on Ramadan during the day, and they would make sure that Muslims weren't doing this. And they were everywhere, and it was like an infection. Well, that's what's happening to Christians in China now, all right? Um, they stopped in front of the pulpit, pointed to one of the Ten Commandments on the wall. This must be removed, the official said. He was referencing the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. When church officials protested, the government official responded that President Xi Jinping opposes this statement. What is that meaning? I'm your new God. We are the government. We are here to take care of you. That's what that means. Who dares not to cooperate? If anyone doesn't agree, they are fighting against the country, he warned the church. This is national policy. You should have a clear understanding of the situation. Don't go against the government. Church members removed the Ten Commandments sign. Islam today from Ars Shiva, Iran. We don't have a military presence in Syria. Now, we just had one Israelis say that they have been attacking Iranians in Syria, and they've been doing it steadily for quite a while, okay? So we have a general come out, and he says this. Iran dismissed claims by Israeli officials that Israel attacked thousands of Iranian targets in Syria, denying the Islamic Republic even has a presence in Syria. The Zionist War Ministry's comments are baseless, false, misleading, and an attempt to justify the failures of the regime in the region, said a spokesman for the Iranian foreign minister. He added that the forces of the resistance stand against the bullying of this regime, and these are the Zionist regime's lies, exaggeration, bluff, and the creation of a psychological warfare to meet their ends. Iran does not have a military base and military presence in Syria, and was present at the request of the Syrian government for advisory mission and fighting the terrorists. From Hararetz, same week, Iran vows to keep forces in Syria after Netanyahu warns of more strikes. So they, they say they have no presence in Syria, and now they're vowing to not leave Syria. Gotta wonder. Revolutionary Guards chief says Israel should be afraid of the day that our precision-guided missiles roar and fall on your head. Oops, one says they don't, one says they do. From Media E8, Media E8, I know it's a hard word to say, but House Democrats reportedly set to ditch and they have done it. This is a couple days old now. They did do it. Set to ditch subcommittee on terrorism in favor of one solely focused on Trump probes. So terrorism is no longer an issue in this nation. We don't have to worry about them coming against us. We're going to probe the president. As the new chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Representative Elliot Engel, 
he's a Jew. He ought to know that the world doesn't like Jewish people and they don't like American people, but he's more concerned about his liberal agenda, told the New Yorker he is getting rid of the subcommittee on terrorism in order to replace it with the subcommittee to investigate President Trump and how his personal finances have influenced his foreign policy. The subcommittee on terrorism was established after the terrorist attacks on September 11th. But according to Engel, there was not much interest in keeping it. We just thought if we're going to do something relevant in this area where Congress is going to reassert itself, where there are so many questionable activities of this administration vis-a-vis foreign policy, that it made sense to have this, he said. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if very quickly somebody comes and attacks this nation and we don't have any committee set up to do it. And I'll have to reset up a new committee, so we'll have two committees instead of one. And it'll be Trump's fault. And it'll be Trump's fault. Yes. From ABC. National suicide. Canada wants one million more immigrants over the next three years. Canada, a nation of not quite 37 million people, wants to add more than one million immigrants through 2021. Thanks in part to the newcomers we have welcomed throughout our history, Canada has developed into a strong and vibrant country we all enjoy. Ahmed Hussein, Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, wrote in an annual report to Parliament. Immigrants and their descendants have made immeasurable contributions to Canada. That's true everywhere. Don't disagree with it. And our future success depends on continuing to ensure they are welcomed and well integrated. For Canada to ask to add one million immigrants over the next three years, the nation would need to welcome approximately 350,000, roughly 1% of its current population in each of 2019, 2020, and 2021. Canada is a world leader in managed migration with an immigration program based on non-discriminatory principles where foreign nationals are assessed without regard to race, nationality, ethnic origin, color, religion, or gender, which is not true because they purposely have been importing Muslims and excluding Christians, just as the UK has been doing. Hussein wrote in his report about one in five current Canadians are immigrants, according to the report, with more than six million arriving since 1990. Immigration is fine. Immigrating the wrong people is not. Mail online. Safe at last. Smiling Saudi girl, 18, arrives in Toronto after Canada offered her asylum when she fled her family and locked herself in a Bangkok hotel after they threatened to kill her for rejecting Islam. Some of you may have heard about her. She was in Thailand. She disavowed Islam and said, I cannot return to my country or they will kill me. Canada took her in. The only reason why I included that is because I said to myself when I saw that article, somebody is going to attempt to kill her. Somebody is going to make an attack on her life. Next article. This was two days later. I read this. Mail online. Saudi governor's daughter granted asylum in Canada enjoys new freedom in knee-length dress as it's revealed she'll get round-the-clock security because of death threats. Well, I thought the people they were bringing in aren't a threat. I thought that they're not harmful, and yet they're giving her death threats the day she arrives there. Now, for the rest of her life, she's going to be given round-the-clock security because somebody will otherwise kill her, and they'll kill her anyway. This is going to happen. We'll have it on one of our articles. How sad. Al Arabiya says, France tells Iran, stop ballistic missile work for nuclear weapons. Arat Shiva, Iran to France, ballistic missiles are our right in violation of the treaty, and they still want to keep the treaty. Mongolia today. Crypto vest. Mongolia to deploy blockchain payment system in partnership with stablecoin startup 
Terra. Mongolia's capital city has partnered with South Korean stablecoin startup to launch a new blockchain-based payment system. The program is scheduled to pilot within the next six months in Ulaanbaatar's Na Nalika, I can't pronounce that, I won't even try, district, with plans to expand citywide. The initiative will offer blockchain-powered mobile payments and instant peer-to-peer -peer money transfers among users of different banks. The project aims to eventually replace the current payment methods for utility bills and government subsidies with Terra Stablecoin. This will reform the largely cash-based Mongolia infrastructure and power the next-generation payment network using blockchain as the driving technology. Last year, the Central Bank of Mongolia approved crypto-friendly legislation and gave permission to Mobicom, the country's largest telecoms operator, to issue its own cryptocurrency, dubbed Candy, whose value is pegged to Mongolia's currency, the Tugruk. Okay, we've got this in Sweden, we've got it in India, and now we've got it in a third country, which is going to be all digital pretty soon. Okay, they're testing these things out around the world. We've got a first world country. We've got India's, I, we'd call it second world, I think, even though it's got a great poverty there. And now we're going to a very small country and we're testing it there. And eventually this is going to be global where there's going to be no more cash anymore. Coming soon to a tribulation period near you. Yeah. Now somebody did email me and he said, you know, the Bible doesn't say that there's no cash. It just says that you can't buy or sell anything without um, uh, the mark of the beast. And that is true. But how do you regulate that? Mm -hmm. How do you regulate that? It, they are getting to that point now. That's, that's the thing that I'm focusing on with these. It is true, though. It does not explicitly say that. But how do you ensure that nobody buys anything without the mark of the beast? You have everything under control of digital currency. From Daniel 12 Technology, I call this the blind and the lame. From Mail Online, the Kindle for the blind. You can now read a Kindle, and it makes, uh, what do you call that stuff? Braille. Braille. Right on the Kindle. The Kindle for the Blind, British startup reveals a $700 Braille e-reader. British Braille technology has created the world's first multi-line Braille e-reader. Kanute, I guess is how you pronounce it, displays nine lines of text at a time, or about a third of a page of print. It's expected to enter production this year and cost about as much as a laptop. So people that are blind can now read a Kindle. Amazing. Mail online. Paralyzed rats walk again after scientists 3D print a new spinal cord. Oh yeah, imagine this, because if they can do it in rats, then the next thing is somebody that's paralyzed will be able to do this again. Implants successfully fueled nerve growth and could be a game changer for humans, it says. Scientists successfully printed the scaffolding of a spinal cord. That scaffolding was loaded with neural stem cells and implanted into rats with spinal cord injuries. The scaffolding promoted nerve growth around the spinal cord, allowing them to walk again. Amazing. I'm almost in tears thinking about that. Revelation plagues today. Philly.com. Pet opioid prescriptions have soared. Okay? Pet, yeah. Pet opioid prescriptions have soared. Pen study finds. But who's really using them? That's the question. A new study by Penn Medicine and Penn Vet has uncovered a 41% increase in opioids prescribed for pets over a 10-year period, but only a 13% bump in the number of pet hospital visits. The prescription spike could have been driven by the complex care offered at veterinary hospitals like Penn's, as well as the desire to spare beloved pets from pain. On the other hand, it might also mean that those prescriptions didn't go to Fido and Fluffy. 
The researchers reviewed the patterns for the four opioids prescribed or dispensed to small animals, tramadol, hydrocodone, codeine tablets, and fentanyl patches. Dogs comprised 73% of the intended consumers, nearly 23% were cats, and the rest were mainly rabbits, snakes, and birds. We've, yes, we found the increased quantity of opioids prescribed by our hospital was not due to increased patient volume alone. It's likely our goal of ensuring our patients are pain-free postoperatively, particularly those requiring complex and invasive procedures, has driven our increased prescribing practices during this period. However, we don't know the potential or extent of prescription diversion from animals to humans and what impact this could have on the human opioid crisis. And they did address in this article, which I didn't want to read the part, but people actually harming their animals so that they can, then they know, they can tell by the type of fractures and stuff that they are purposely doing this so they can get these. I uh, am a part of this problem this past week, though, because one of my chihuahuas, Fatso, two weeks ago, got bit by another one of the dogs at night, and his eye popped out. And so I had to have it removed, and he's been on opioids. And no, I haven't taken any of them. But um, poor Fatso. Yeah, he's got, he's got the cone of, you know, the... Yeah, the cone of shame. Thank you. He's got that on right now. It'll be another couple days, but... Oh, I don't know. I have no idea how much it is. But, you know, I mean, if people want it, that's where you get it, I suppose. I mean, so anyway, yeah, poor Fatso. He's, he's got his eye all sewed up now, and I'll get him a patch, and he'll look pretty good after that. But, uh, you know, a little pirate patch and a hat. And anyway, um, so here we go. Let's see. Um, mail online. Americans are more likely to die of an opioid overdose than in a car crash, the report reveals. Deaths from opioid overdoses have increased so dramatically in recent years that the odds of dying of an overdose are now 1 in 96. By comparison, the odds of dying in a car crash are now 1 in 103. This is the first time in history that overdosing on one type of a drug is more likely to kill an American than any kind of car crash. Now, I have said in the past that doctors were overprescribing, and I had a doctor send me a very interesting article that refuted that. But the opioids are still a problem, okay? They are a problem because China gives us that fentanyl and all these things. They've just flooded the market with it. And so it, whether it's legal or illegal opioids, it is out there. And it's causing a great deal of trouble in our society and in other societies around the world as well. Morality today from Mail Online. California passes law making it illegal for car insurance companies to charge drivers more based on their gender. Okay. Forever, they have done studies knowing who good drivers are, who bad drivers are. Women apparently are better drivers than men or getting less accidents. I don't know, whatever. I'm just using that as an example. And so you set your prices based on your odds. That's how you stay in business. And now they're told they can't do that anymore. Misogyny. Yeah, misogyny, exactly. Okay, but that's what's happening. But you remember the guy that was, I think it was in North Dakota or South Dakota about a year ago. I read him on the update. And they have a law that says if you want to change your gender, you can, and nobody can say anything. So he changed his gender on his birth certificate, and he gets the female rate. So, yes, I mean, there's a way around everything, but now California is just completely stifling any competition and any ability to make a profit. What This is not, does not mean that, once again, we'll say that men are worse drivers. This does not mean that their rates are going to go down. That doesn't mean that at all. It means that the women's are going to go up. That is what's going to happen. And what happens when you do that? Then they get more revenue from the insurance policy for the government. It's always big government that's going on here. But, you know, it used to be you could pay your 
uh, flood. You know, we're in Florida here. You have to have flood insurance if you're right. close to. So you had you could pay your flood insurance even two or three years in advance if you could afford it, and you did not have to pay the policy fee. And so I would do that. I would save all year long just to pay the flood policies in advance. And they stopped that because they wanted that money for the government. So you can no longer buy it. You have to buy them every year and you have to only buy one. So that's, they just get you that way. Well, this is what California is doing. Auto insurers can no longer use gender in consideration of insurance rates in California. The state joins a number of others who previously passed similar legislation. California leads the way in insurance reform, excluding job titles and education. So you can't use anything. Nationally, men under 25 pay around 10% more than women in the same bracket. However, women over 25 are more likely to pay more than men. Well, now that's all going to be thrown to the wind. CNS says, British public school, boys can have periods too. Yes, yes, this is policy in British schools now. In what can only be described as a rejection of biology and reason, the Brighton and Hove City Council in Southeast England recently approved LGBT guidelines for its schools whereby students will be taught that menstruation must be inclusive of all genders. Yes, apparently including biological males and transgender females. If you are, yeah, they've lost their mind. If you're not a biological female with a uterus, you do not menstruate. Nonetheless, the Brighton and Hove City Council's advice to teachers states, trans boys and men and non-binary people may have periods, and menstruation must be inclusive of all genders. Bins for menstruation products will be provided in all toilets for children. Also, transgender students and pupils will be provided with additional support from a school nurse if needed. In a statement, the city council said, by encouraging effective education on menstruation and puberty, we hope to reduce stigma and ensure no child or young person feels shame in asking for these products inside or outside of a school if they need them. We believe that it's important for all genders to be able to learn and talk about these things together, said the council. I had to really cut that article down to get rid of really disgusting stuff. It's just unbelievable. Mail online. Canadian police can demand, this is really bad policy here. Don't go to Canada, okay? Canadian police can demand breast samples anywhere and up to two hours, two hours after you've been driving under new strict drunk driving law. Two hours after you've been driving, they can test you for having drunk, and if you have, then they can give you a DUI. Can you imagine that? I've been home for two hours. I got home from work. Somebody comes in and says, your neighbor reported you drinking because your neighbor doesn't like you and he saw you drinking a beer through your window. And they can give you a DUI up to two hours after you've been driving. Changes to Section 253 of the Criminal Code of Canada went into effect in December. Police officers can demand breathalyzer tests anywhere up to two hours after someone has been driving. Authorities said it will help them cut down on the number of drunk driving accidents. But citizens argue it removes reasonable suspicions. I would say that's correct. And it leaves it up to the accused to prove their innocence. Well, it definitely does. From our other category, Breitbart, Monster Jam. Everybody knows Monster Jam, the big trucks that run over each other. And okay, it's changing, folks. Monster Jam removes all gun images, gun names from monster trucks. When Monster Jam rolls into stadiums around the country this year, their monster trucks will be missing two things, gun images and gun names. 
Trucks like Gunslinger have had their names altered and their paint scheme redesigned so as to show slingshots instead of firearms. Monster Jam, yes. Monster Jam is run by Feld Entertainment, which also runs Disney on Ice and other family-focused shows. Feld made the decision to adopt a more politically correct stance for Monster Jam, and that means images of guns and gun names are gone. The process of scrubbing all references to firearms has been quietly underway since 2017. For example, the gun turret from Soldier Fortune was removed, and the metal militia monster truck was redesigned to remove the image of a gun. Trucks like Gravedigger get to retain their name and their design. This gives the impression that the idea of digging graves for people is totally acceptable as long as guns are not shown or mentioned in the process. Well, so much for Monster Jam. And then from Guns.com, Oregon Bill would cap magazines. I can't even imagine this. I mean, I'm looking around right now, and there's a lot of gun owners sitting in front of me, and there's a lot of people that are... I'll keep that to myself. Anyway, um, I can't imagine this type of a restriction. Guns.com. Oregon Bill would cap magazines to five rounds, ration ammo to 20 rounds a month. You can't even practice with 20 rounds a month. Legislation submitted in the Democrat-controlled Oregon legislature would fundamentally change the state's firearms law, recasting them as the most restrictive in the country. State Senator Robert Wagner has submitted SB 501 for the upcoming session. Wagner's bill would require licensing for gun owners prior to purchase, outlaw firearm magazines capable of holding more than five rounds, and limit individual ammo sales to no more than 20 rounds every 30 days, besides its restrictions on ammunition and requirements for licensing. SB 501 would also mandate that background checks be delayed for a 14-day period so that state police can research would-be buyers, fine gun owners who fail to report lost or stolen firearms, and require guns be locked up when not in use. There would be no grandfathering of magazines affected by the ban. Now, I will tell you that when you buy 9mm ammo, you don't go in and buy a box this big. You buy 2,000 rounds, and that way you've got it so you can go practice anytime and... uh, 20 rounds is nothing. I, I just can't believe that. I, I can't even imagine that they would... Everybody's <laughs> going to buy it up now before... Yeah, well, it's very sad what's happening. Best gun salesman ever. Oh, yes, they are, 100%. Okay, from American Military News, Russian Defense Ministry proposes law to allow shooting down of passenger planes. Listen, they shot down the 007 going over Korea back when I was in Japan, and that caused almost an international crisis, okay? But before I go on, I agree with this law. Here we go. Russia's new defense ministries outlined draft legislation that would allow Russian forces to shoot down civilian passenger planes within the country's airspace. The draft document placed on the government's list of proposed legislation says passenger planes that cross into Russian airspace without authorization, and do not answer warning signals or respond to warning shots can be shot down if they are deemed to pose a threat of mass deaths, ecological catastrophe, or an assault on strategic targets. The draft legislation also says the defense ministry must start reacting to unidentified planes when they are within 50 kilometers of Russian airspace. According to the draft legislation, passenger planes cannot be shot down if there's no real danger of human deaths or ecological catastrophe. In other words, 
even if it looks like this is an enemy, we can't shoot it down unless one of those two conditions is met. And the reason why I agree with this 100% is because they still haven't found that Malaysian airplane. Those people, whatever happened on that plane, it very well may be have been taken hostage, the people executed, and they have a bomb waiting to take into Tel Aviv someday. We have no idea. And people need to be able to defend themselves. If you give a warning, and you give another warning, and then you fire a warning shot and they don't turn, they need to be taken out. I 100%. So I actually agree with that, even though it sounds brutal. You know, if you ever watched the movie, it was um, the guy that did the computer and tennis shoes, and he did uh, uh, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. What's his name? Uh, uh, no, he was, come on. He's done so many famous movies. Uh, he was, the, anyway, he did a movie, Executive Order. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, thank you. This guy was on the plane, and they were bringing in a plane with a Toxic bomb, not a uh, this blowing up bomb, but a, uh, you know, a, you know uh, what do you call it? Yeah, a biological warfare bomb on it. And it was coming into American airspace, and they had to make an executive decision, right? And it was a scary movie, if you think about it, because this could happen. So I agree with this, but it's a sad world we're living in. Zero hedge. Russian Navy to deploy 30 Poseidon strategic underwater nuclear drones. This is very scary. The Russian Navy is preparing to deploy more than 30 Poseidon strategic nuclear-capable underwater drones on combat duty. Nobody aboard them. They just go out and they do their thing. Nobody gets hurt except the people that are being attacked. Two Poseidon-carrying submarines are expected to enter service with the Northern Fleet, and the other two will join in the Pacific Fleet. Each of the submarines will carry a maximum of eight drones, and therefore the total number of Poseidons on combat duty may reach 32 vehicles. Poseidon, previously known by the Russian codename Status 6, is designed to create a tsunami wave up to 1,600 feet tall and wipe out the enemy vessels and marine bases, which would then contaminate the area with radioactive isotopes. Poseidon is a weapon of last resort. It will also function as a deterrent against Western forces. It can travel at speeds of from 60 to 185 miles per hour with a range of 6,200 miles and a maximum depth of 3,300 feet. The drone is cloaked by stealth technology to elude acoustic tracking devices. Its size has been estimated at 5 feet wide and 78 feet long. The source drone is capable of carrying a nuclear warhead with a yield of up to two megatons, enough to destroy a Western naval base or an entire aircraft carrier battleship. That's a scary world we're living in. CNN analyst. This is just kind of one of those statements that you have to wonder what the guy was thinking. This is a CNN analyst. Many Americans will dismiss the media as leftist liars over the disputed BuzzFeed story. Hey, man, we just we dismissed them of that years ago. I just, he said that, and I was like, what? All right, Arizona Central. Hats off to this gentleman. I've said there are a couple categories of people that were in World War II that I respect highly. Here's one of them. Alfred Newman, one of the last surviving Navajo code talkers, dies at 94 years old. So salute to him. They pretty much saved us in the, uh, the uh, Pacific War, those code talkers. If you never saw the movie Wind Talkers, go watch it. It's very good. It's about what they did. Got a lesserick here for you. They have censored the name of the gun before letting monster trucks run. They can't let it be. They must be PC. They've managed to wipe out most fun. Good job, Les or Kathy. Okay, I got a couple irony and odd for you. This is bananas and beds. 
New Year's Day irony. Okay, this happened a couple weeks ago, and I finally got them in the news feed, so here we go. Mail online. Man is arrested for using a banana to attack a convenience store clerk on New Year's Day. Came at him with a banana. Okay, and if you've never seen how to defend yourself from a banana attack, I want you to type that into your YouTube uh, search. Okay, type in Monty Python, how to defend from a banana attack, and they'll show you how to do it. Okay, I don't want to give it away, but it is very, very funny. I will tell you after I shut this off, it is very funny. Okay, so type that in. A man actually tried attacking somebody with a banana. And mail online, this is also on New Year's Day, terrified roommate grabs knives after waking up on New Year's Day to find a drunk stranger fast asleep next to their 150-pound mastiff in the guard dog's bed. So the guard dog let him sleep in his bed. Yes, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the superior word, and that is your prophecy update for the week.